You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.vin. Rachel Turner. Uh, The accent you're hearing is Southern Californian, having lived in the UK for 21 years. So I'm mush. Nobody thinks I have a British accent, except my mother, who is insistent that I sound completely English. So so who knows what I sound like? Uh, A while ago, I was going to go minister in in a place called Jersey, which I thought was an island off the coast of France. I neglected to look where off the coast of France, so I booked only like tropical gear and then arrived at a very cold, rainy location. It is not off the south of France, just so you know. And uh, I, was, I was getting ready to go and I was very excited. And so I decided to get to bed before midnight, go me. And uh, my husband, I have full permission from my husband to share this story. My husband was whittling and, uh, you know, just like a knife and a piece of wood at midnight, as you do in your lounge. And, uh, and I was like, I'm going to bed now, so don't stab yourself or do anything horrible. Uh, and so I went to bed and he's like, I'm fine. I've never hurt myself. Uh, now, my husband has a thing about blood in that if he sees blood, he uh, gets a bit woozy. Uh, we were once at a youth, we were running a youth weekend and he stubbed his toe and looked at it and passed out onto a child. So that was <laughs> just as a bracing moment. So, which was great because everyone thought he died, which was really, there was a lot of trauma that then we had to work out in that space. So uh, he comes in, I wake up in the middle of the night to my husband holding his finger above my bed going, I think I need to go to A&E. Now, I know that means that his finger could be completely dangling, or he has a slight cut, but he doesn't know. So I said, okay, let me look at it. So he opens it, he looks at it, and he goes, and he starts to pass out. Now, I am a good charismatic, so I know how to catch a falling man, right? (laughs) So I leap into action, catch and pivot, you know, that sort of thing. Except I'm also getting older, so I caught and started to pivot, and my back went pop. Yeah. Now, if you, who knows what it means to have, like, to throw your back out type thing. Yeah. When your back, you pull something, you pull something. And so now I'm holding my husband, and he's unconscious, right? So I just lay him on my body and just let him slide down, uh, because he doesn't know. He's unconscious. He'll be fine. So I poke him. He's all right. And now I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. So I... I started getting to bed. I get into bed. And um, I'm like, honey, honey. And uh, he went to Annie. They sent him back with a plaster. <laughs> oh. uh, so I had to go and minister for the next day. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to walk. And if you've ever thrown out your back, you know that it sort of feels like your top half is disconnected from your bottom half. So you make lots of weird noises because you feel fine until all of a sudden you feel like someone's stabbing you. And so you walk like this. You're like, ha, ha, And then sitting down is like, you don't, you can't, it's awful. So I'm doing, I'm on the airplane, I get off, (laughs) thank you for inviting me to speak. Uh, And I can't do anything. And so I start teaching for three days, and day one, 
I'm like this. I can, I can teach. Sort of like this clutching onto the thing. Day two, I dangled myself off the thing so my legs could dangle. Day three, kid you not, they put a chair on the stage and they put a camera above my face and I taught like this for the whole day. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. And they kept saying, let me take you to some place to get help. But if you're like me, when you get injured, at some point, you find your sweet spot. And I'm like, I'm fine, look, I can walk perfectly well. If I just like tuck it in and move, I'm good. And I was insistent that I didn't need any help because I have figured out how to live with the problem. Like, no, they took me to a chiropractor. I had never been to one. I don't think I was convinced that they were real. And it's exactly like you see on ridiculous movies. My head was, my legs were above my head. And my back was, this guy's pulling on it. And he eventually was pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. And I thought, this poor man, this is my life now. This is how I walk. It's okay. Like, you know, you don't need to fix me. I can function like this for a lifetime. And uh, he eventually just did this huge pop. And I stood up. And I was better. And I was like, Oh my goodness, like, look, look what I can do. It's amazing. And uh, he said, yeah, you had just sort of dislocated a little bit of your pelvis. And so your pelvis was a bit dislocated and all of your ligaments were the only thing that was like holding it in place from getting worse. And I was like, I was like legit disconnected from my own body. He was like, yeah, it was probably painful. I was like, it was. He's like, that's not how your body's supposed to be. And I'm like, I know that now. Look at me. So I came out on Sunday morning to preach, and I'm like, hello, everybody. And everyone was like, she's healed. Thank you, Jesus. And I was like, no, it was Dr. Singh. Thank you, Dr. Singh. Uh, and it was this wonderful thing. And that morning, I was preaching on the body of Christ. And I began to be really challenged by that because I was insistent that my body was fine. I was just a bit dis disconnected. And when I look at Ephesians, God has a lot to say about the body of Christ and why the body of Christ needs to be functioning. In Ephesians 4, Paul is talking about the body of Christ, and he's talking about how the body of Christ is diverse and different so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. Everything all aligned. This is Ephesians 4, verse 10, verse 12. The whole thing is to prepare the God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What does the whole measure of the fullness of Christ look like? That's a big promise. That's a big swing. Like, I'm just happy to, like, get through the day some days. And God's like, no, tell you what, if you all get together and you learn how to be a body, you get to have the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I thought, ooh, that's what I want. And I can't achieve that by myself. My body that I am a part of, this body of Christ, has to be working and so when we look at 1 Corinthians 12, where he sort of starts off talking about this body of Christ, he does this great play, I guess, that he talks about that is about the body of Christ. And so I'm going to read it to you because I began to be challenged, particularly in the area of 
of age groups, but I think it's in anything in terms of diversity and neurodiversity and people from all different countries. And there is something about the unity of the body of Christ that is really significant. And so I wanted to know more about that because I don't know about you, but I want the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. I would list children or teenagers or adults or old people or coming from America or a beautiful neurodiversity. Whatever we are, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, that's not how he said it. He says it like this, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If there was all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I would suggest that the reason we haven't attained the whole measure of the fullness of Christ is because we're busy gathering around the people who are like us and only looking to learn and experience God through them. And I'm particularly passionate about the fact that I think we get very used to children and young people not being part of the body as much as they could be and should be. And I think when we learn to integrate them more and with more passion, we're going to discover new things about Christ that we cannot discover without them. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffer with every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And I would suggest that we look at children and we say, you are valued, you are wonderful, you are special, but we don't need you. And I would argue that sometimes they've been conditioned to look at us and say, we don't need you. We just need our kids groups. And we can't obtain the full measure of the whole measure of the fullness of Christ unless we figure out how to walk, not like this. Because I feel like the bride of Christ is walking around the earth all disjointed with the kids doing one thing and the adults doing another thing. There is something about being aligned and able to achieve things that we all are called to do. 
rather than seeing each other as women and men and children and adults, I suggest we start looking at each other as members of the body of Christ that we need and who need us. Who I am today would not be the same without members of the body of Christ inputting into me in powerful ways. There was a, a person that uh, was doing, uh, he had a heart that uh, was, he had, he had ribs that were closing in and he had to have yearly surgeries to crack his ribs to create more space for his heart. And his heart was essentially um, so dysfunctional that they thought he wouldn't live for very long. And he came for prayer ministry and I was praying for him. And as he was, he was wanting prayer for healing and as he was getting prayer for healing, he began to just, just fold over in half. And so as I just watched him fold over in half, you could just tell that God was moving. And uh, after, after he was done, he said, I just felt, I saw a picture of my heart, my broken heart that wasn't going to function by itself. And I saw a picture of God's heart inside my heart. And God's heart beat. And every time God's heart beat, it moved my heart. And I realize now that I don't have to live in fear of my heart stopping because every heartbeat is a gift from the heartbeat of God who moves it. And as he walked away, I said, well, how's the deformity in your rib cage? Let's have a look. And he holds up his shirt and um, all the deformity had gone. His rib cage looks completely healthy. And I was like, this is amazing. This kid was 11. His mom came to pick him up and I was waiting. I was like, he's gonna say, look, my rib cage no longer needs to be broken and no longer is deformed. And he runs up to his mom and he said, guess what, guess what? And I'm like in the back, like waiting for the moment. God's heart makes my heart beat every time and I am no longer afraid. And I thought, I wanted to celebrate the physical healing and he wanted to celebrate the voice of God in his life. And that transformed how I see healing. Because a member of the body of Christ shared a vulnerable part of their life. And I learned something from them. I wouldn't have learned that had I not been welcoming the voice of a child into my life. When I lost a baby, uh, we were in that sort of grief period after you lose a, lose a kid. And uh, I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I, did, I went into shutdown, it's fine mode. And uh, so it was sort of, everyone's like, we should pray for you. And I'm like, yeah, but not right now. And so I was sort of, you know, skipping around it and uh, avoiding it, avoiding it, avoiding it until a member of the body of Christ walked up to me who happened to be eight and said, God sent me here to pray for you because he says you need to talk to him. And I can't turn down an eight-year-old who says that God sent her to pray for me. So I kneeled down and said, okay, we'll see. Because, you know, she didn't know anything. So I was like, that's fine. She's just going to pray. She put her hands on me and said, I just feel that you have a really, really, really big sadness that happens into you. And God says, you finally need to talk about it. And I was like, Ugh. and so I start ugly crying. My husband starts ugly crying. And she sat with us for about 15 minutes while we cried. And she just whispered stuff that God was saying to her. And we finished, like, <laughs> wiped up all the snot. And she was like, it's good, isn't it, when God helps us? And then she just skipped away. And I'm like, yep, I needed a member of the body of Christ to call me out on it and pray. And no one was bold enough to say you need prayer except an eight-year-old kid who was responding to the voice of God. I don't know how long I would have not had healing about miscarriage unless a member of the body of Christ administered. Yesterday, we were talking about how to catch from God. And uh, the kids were catching from God and, and listening to what he had to say and communicate. And uh, one kid was there, and I always struggle to articulate, you know, when you, when you feel God on your skin, 
And uh, sometimes you can feel sensations and sometimes you don't. And uh, so we were talking about what our experiences of God were. And this kid had this beautiful articulation. I've just been chewing on it for the last 24 hours because uh, I was saying, how did you know that you caught from God? And he said, I felt it in my hands. And I said, what did it feel like? And he looked at it and he kept poking his hand, finding the words. And he goes, and he showed it to me. He goes, it felt like love. And I thought, well, now that's super deep, and I'm going to be chewing on that for the next, like, what is that? <laughs> wow, that's profound. I think he was four. Was, yeah. And that, that made me see the catching from God in a new way. It's not just a sensation. It's, it's a response to members of the body of Christ help us see God better and helps us become more mature. And if we isolate ourselves from other voices that God may be speaking to, we're not going to get to achieve that maturity because there is something wonderful about God using every member. It's not because they're kids or because kids are special. It's just because they're part of the body of Christ that God has provided for us here and now. I, um, I was in a worship setting and there was a kid who looked like she was totally disconnected and she was just writing. And I was, you know, I was struggling to... I was struggling to connect in worship because it's not just, you know, kids who struggle to connect in worship. We're just better at pretending. And so I was struggling to pretend, so I thought I'd distract myself by looking over her shoulder and looking at what she was doing. And I saw that she was writing a passionate letter to God. And I'm like, ooh, you're writing a letter to God. She goes, yeah, you don't just have to worship by singing. Sometimes you don't want to sing. You just want to connect with your words in your heart. And I thought, well, that's profound. So now I carry a notebook with me because sometimes I just in worship want to sit and write my thoughts and write with him because a kid taught me how to do that. I used to be in a wheelchair because I had myalgic encephalomyelitis. And my first year of my marriage was my husband having to bathe me and feed me and clothe me until we went to Soul Survivor. And they were doing a healing ministry thing. And uh, we were there, and everyone was learning how to pray for healing. And two 12-year-olds thought, we'll go for the lady in the wheelchair. And so ran up to me and said, can we pray for you? And I was like, sure. And they prayed for me, and I got up out of that wheelchair, and I've had no symptoms since because two 12-year-olds thought it was worth praying for me. My life would not be the same without the ministry of the body of Christ that God has provided. And there is so much ministry in each one of us. It's not just kids that are special. Every one of us carries a unique insight into who God is and to how God is. And our job is to pull alongside everybody and look for God to speak through everyone. I would suggest we are less when we don't enable every member of our body to speak into each other's lives. And they need you. One part of the body cannot say, the, hand, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. But sometimes we feel like the weak ones. Your stories are significant. Your input is helpful to everybody. Children also need you. And that often makes all of us think, well, I don't want to join the kids' team. What they need most from you is your stories and your welcome and your smiles and knowing what their lives are like and a welcome of saying, you are part of the body of Christ like me. And they need your stories of what life is. One of the most significant people in my life as a child was a really elderly member of our congregation. His name was George, and he had cancer. And he was super nice to me. I remember I was about oh, eight years old, I think. 
And he was really nice, and he always carried mints in his pocket, and we always got a mint after church. And, uh, and he knew my name, and he knew when I had exams, and he asked me questions, and he was just a nice guy that always made me feel welcome. He'd ask my opinion on news things, and he would want to know, he'd want me to teach him technology and stuff, you know, all that cutting-edge 80s technology that was coming out that he needed help with. And he was amazing. And then he got cancer, and he decided that what we needed as a body of Christ, including the children, was to know what it's like to have cancer with God. And so every week he'd give us an update on how he was feeling and what God was doing. And he would say, like, today I'm really wrestling with God and, and circling around the why, but I've decided the why doesn't matter. The who is God matters in this. And so that's what I've been talking. Who are you, God, in this cancer? And he coached us through his whole cancer experience of that. He shared his stories and he told us what it was like. And in his final moments of dying, he made sure that the senior leader, he said, tell them about my final moments. So we got the story on Sunday when George died of what it was like in his final moments and how, God, how George opened his eyes and he smiled and he reached out and then he died. And so when I got diagnosed with cancer, my first thought was I know how to do this because George taught me how to do this. I know how to walk this journey with God because a, an older member of the congregation said, I'm willing to be open with that. He was never on the kids' team, but he saw me as a member of the body of Christ, and he was a member of the body of Christ, and he knew that for all of us to achieve maturity, he was going to walk with openness. Your stories are powerful. You being the you-ness of you is powerful, and if you believe that about yourself, then we need to believe that about everybody else, whether they're they're from a, a, a place that we recognize, a country we recognize, an accent we recognize, a, a beautiful way of thinking that we recognize, an age that we recognize, and a, a, the diversity is where we see the body more. And so please, please, please be the Eunice of you in this place. Your walk is valuable to children. Your stories are important to each other. You are needed by everyone in this room and everyone in those rooms just because you can make people feel welcome, seen, and loved, and you can share a little bit of who God is in your life. But the other thing is that we need each other. We need other people. And so I would suggest we need to learn to come expectant. I've begun to look at this passage, and I show up to church thinking, I need you. I need you. I wonder who God is going to work through today for the benefit of me and the whole. And I look at children and I think, I am ready to hear, God, whatever you want. And I walk around ready to hear from the body of Christ so that we together can grow and learn and flourish in this beautiful body that is aligned. What I could do when my body finally got popped back together is way different than what my body can do when it wasn't popped together. But I got really content with, I'm going to walk like this forever. And I feel like we don't feel the pain of it anymore because we're so used to walking disconnected. Once you get popped together, what could we do? There is so much that God has called us to that I think is waiting for us to be able to be the full body of Christ to accomplish. Because we don't know. I know you guys are passionate about reaching out and sharing your faith. What if the biggest mission field you have are schools? And the biggest ministers of the kingdom you have are the children and young people in this church. 
You may be forming a whole strategy around outreach and missing the body of Christ that God has provided. There is so much beauty and value in the body. Everyone is needed, and we need everybody. And I just wanted to encourage you that you may feel like a really small part of a really big body and think I'm half of a left fingernail. It doesn't matter what part you are. What scripture says is that you are indispensable. Indispensable. This group cannot be who God has called them to be without you being you in this place. And that takes a willingness to be needed and a willingness to need. That was what makes church, church. And that goes for everyone in every site. That goes for everyone sitting in home or on an oil rig somewhere. You are part of a body of Christ. That is a beautiful thing. And so I would plead with you to learn how to snap back together because there is stuff that's coming. There is a beauty in unity and what God is bringing that is going to benefit you and the world. And so I just wanted to pray for you now because that's all right. God, I thank you that you call us tiny, individual, not perfect people to be part of your body. That in our imperfectness and still brokenness, you say that we are indispensable to each other. I thank you that you work through every part of the body of Christ for the good of each other. I thank you that there is no age limit on doing all the each othering that we're called to do, that we're called to bear each other's burdens and love one another and support one another. And that goes across every division that the world sees. God, I pray that you would teach us to walk as a body of Christ, aligned and held together by every ligament, that we may bear a greater part of your presence, that we may do a greater portion of what you've called us to, that we may attain the wholeness of the full measure of Christ. God, I pray right now that you would make us bold to value our little contribution to the big, beautiful thing. I pray you make us bold to speak our stories and to welcome children and to see those that are not like us and say, I see you and I belong to you and you belong to me. And I see that God will minister to me through you and that God will minister to you through me. This commitment to be the body aligned and working that we may be mature in you. I pray that you would drop those barriers between us, that we may learn a countercultural way of being, valuing the weak and valuing the strong and working side by side together to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So welcome, children. See them, get to know them, input into them, and expect that God is going to do some significant stuff through each other. It makes every day a real joy because every day you get to see a new thing of God. Good to handle.